Hello, and welcome to the Consistent Profits Podcast, brought to you by Inside Out Trading and Brian McAvoy, where the focus is on consistency, because when you have the consistent part down, profits become easy. Hello, everybody. This is Brian McAvoy with a new episode of the Consistent Profits Podcast. I'm excited today to be interviewing Jason Sen, creator of daytradeideas.com.uk. Jason, thanks so much for being here, man. Hey, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, man. And for those of you not already familiar with him, uh, Jason Sen is a day trader, mentor, and technical analyst with a career spanning over 35 years. He began in 1987 and traded his own account on the floor of the London International Financial Futures Exchange at the age of 19. For the last 15 years, he's also been practicing technical analysis to study and understand the dynamics of the financial markets. His extensive experience on the LIFFE trading floor, market making, and technical analysis give him a deep understanding of the financial markets and the factors that drive them. Uh, along with being a pretty well-seasoned person uh, with a broad background, uh, Jason's also a pretty cool person, very down to earth. Again, Jason, thanks for being here, man. Thank you. Now, I got to ask, because, uh, you know, everybody, trading is an unusual occupation. Um, and I know you got a cool story as far as how you got started, but what were you, what were you doing before uh, trading? Were you, was this like, you know, were you just in high school or had you done other work? Yeah, no, well, as I was 19, uh, you know, I was obviously pretty young. So I was studying what we call A-levels here in the UK. And just before I took the A-levels, I was sending off CVs to try and get a job with a bank. And luckily, someone did hire me. So I was kind of three or four months before I took my exams, I, I started working and um, and then took the exams. Do you know what? I still sometimes get dreams where I'm panicking about taking exams because I haven't done enough revision. And then I, I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's OK. You know, I've got a <laughs> career now. I'm going to be all right. Oh, funny. Huh. Well, so, yeah. So you started with the investment bank, but that was in 87. That was right before the crash. Right. And so now, so where did that go from there? Because obviously, you know, that was a tumultuous time for a lot of people in the trading world. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. You know, I was young. I didn't really fully understand what was going on. And I was working on the floor. So that was very exciting. And then the crash happened and I'm just watching everything go crazy. I was on the broking side and we were just, you know, we were inundated with orders that we couldn't fill by the end of the day. So we just had stacks of cards that we couldn't get through. Um, so it was exciting. And uh, obviously, I learned a heck of a lot. But the, by December of um, 1987, I was out of a job. Uh, you know, the volumes had died. Yeah. And so we were taken to a room and said, hey, guys, I'm so sorry. It's last in, first out. So I thought, wow, that's the end. Of that. I've had a nine-year, a nine-month career in the city, and it's all over. Yeah. Uh, but actually, it ended up being one, uh, a, a huge piece of luck for me because I ended up managing to get a job with a market-making company, quite a young company. So I went from broking to market-making, which was, for me, more exciting, you know, trading my own account and learning how to actually take risks and make a profit. Well, for those not familiar with it, what's the difference between broker, broking and uh, market making? Okay, so broking, you're basically um, executing orders on behalf of clients. Mm -hmm. So we would have banking clients that when we would execute options on their behalf, uh, the market makers are on the other side. So when a broker is looking for liquidity, looking to execute an order, he goes to the market maker and the market maker then uh, trades with him and, and takes the risk. So the market maker will have the open position on and for me, that was exciting because it meant I could, as a broker, your earnings are kind of are based on commission. So, you know, you can do extremely well. But as a market maker, you can 
potentially make even more because you're taking risks. Uh, you know, you're holding positions. Now, you said you were, you were market making with your own account, though. Is that correct? Right. Well, when I was 20, then I got a job working for a, a Dutch company and they trained me. They taught me how to trade options. So that process took about two or three years. I mean, it, it wasn't an overnight thing. I know traders, these guys, they, these days, they, they think they can pick trading up in three to six months. You know, it doesn't work like that. And um, even in an intense trading environment on a floor, it still probably took me at least two to three years to, to learn how to make a profit consistently. Yeah, well, the way, the way you started, it's kind of like learn how to swim by getting thrown into the shark pool, right? It definitely was. <laughs> yeah, it was scary. Yeah, not the typical uh, uh, initiation into swimming. Mm, so that's, that's pretty cool. So, but uh, now you you had some traders that you. I, I remember reading at one point that you had like five traders. You said that you were were your mentors and were just really excellent at helping you come along. Um, so, what what was the main thing that they were doing with you to really that really helped you? as far as you know, getting, getting your confidence down, knowing what you're doing? Uh, well, as I said, we were options traders uh, and I was working within a trading group. So I was on the floor all day. You know, initially you're, 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 um, I was clerking. So I was, you know, taking the card. Well, in those days, it was so analog. You wrote your trades down on a card. So I would collect the cards and, and you know, punch them in a, into a computer so that the, the trades could match. So, you know, you're, you're basically starting with admin. And as you're doing that, they're teaching you about butterflies and call spreads and, you know, two by ones and those kind of things. You're understanding the structure of options and the mechanics of them. And then eventually they let you loose in a pit, uh, which is the scariest thing ever for me. Uh, when you, you know, because the guys in the pit are not welcoming. They're not like, hey, come in, you know, come and come and make some money with us. They're, they're out to um, tear you to pieces, basically. Yeah, no kidding. But you did pretty well. Um, I mean, eventually. Because that's this was the the end of the latter part of the eighties. Um, what so back in ninety two, you made a million dollars in a week. And so what's how how did that come about? So that was I, I had been approached then by um, an American trader who was building an operation in the UK. He was extremely successful and had a team of traders in the US. And he'd come to the UK to start on life. Um, and then by 1992, there was a thing. There was a thing called, in, the, in the UK. There was a thing called the ERM, the exchange rate mechanism, and the pound was tied to the Deutschmark. It was an unsustainable situation. That was actually when George Soros famously broke the Bank of England and made made a billion um, overnight. Okay. So um, I didn't do quite that well, but the um, the options market just went crazy. I was trading short sterling um, options, which is an interest rate contract. So that was really right in the thick of the uh, events of the time so it was huge volatility and i was just i was just in the right place at the right time really and uh it was an intense week huge volumes and yeah i managed to make uh, uh, quite a bit of money that week and i was only like 24 so it was a crazy time wow now but the the 90s were good for it um i mean in, in your bio it's, or on your on your site says that you uh from 92 to 98 you bought a property in London every year and you were a millionaire at the age of 30. So uh, that's pretty cool and uh, definitely not the normal path. Um, now, how did that, well, as far as dealing with that, though, I mean, how did that affect you uh, being in that position at that young age? Did you deal, did you have to deal with self-sabotage? I mean, was it like way out of alignment with how you grew up or was it kind of aligned so it wasn't that tough? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Self-sabotage, I'd say, was an issue. 
I tell you what the biggest problem actually with that specific aspect was I'd made so much money so quickly in a week going back to, you know, just trading and making a regular consistent amount of money each day wasn't satisfying. And the problem was I was constantly looking for that. Wow. Swing the bat and get the big one, the six figures or whatever on, on a position. And, and it never happened again. So I probably spent the next two or three years not not making much, well, not much, not much money, actually, and certainly not the money I should have done if I'd just gone in there and done the normal job. And eventually I had to say, come on, you know, you're just being greedy. This isn't working for you. You have to get back to basics. Huh. Very cool. Well, um, switching topics just a little bit. Um, and, and this one, I was—I I, got to ask, especially the guys have been been in the game for a long time. What what is it you love about trading, I and mean, what's managed to keep you captivated for thirty five years? Um, It—I'm just absolutely addicted to financial markets. Do you know, it's not even the actual trading. I don't trade that much these days. Um, I have other businesses, so that keeps me occupied. And I, you know, I'm I'm fifty five, so. I don't want to sit in front of a screen for eight hours a day at my age, having done this for over, you know, for over 35 years. But every morning I get up and for two or three hours, I go through all my charts and I create my trade ideas for my subscribers. Mm -hmm. And that is the challenge for me. You know, when you've got people depending on your calls, you, you've got to get it right. It's more important to get it right for other people than it is for your own trading account i'm sure you can understand that you know you have a responsibility and you're offering a service you want it to be a good one and you want to you want to stay in business so that is the challenge for me and i really enjoy that huh very cool well again going back to the wealth of experience that you've got and you've also got experience that a lot of even even a lot of seasoned traders don't have where you actually were down in the pits dealing with cards you, you've gotten to watch the the whole you know trading world evolve i mean for me that's been one of the cool things it's just like pretty much since the mid '90s, and you know, with the internet coming around, um, how everything has evolved—not just the technology, but the trading world itself—and how it's really opened it up to so many people, and how that's changed the landscape, plus the different markets and rules and all all kinds of stuff. Um, but so, with all this experience that you've gotten, uh, well, and additionally also working with banks, uh, you, you worked for a lot with banks. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Uh, and if so, what, what would you write? That's crazy that you should say that because I did um, an, another podcast like this recently and someone reached out to me and said, hey, you should write a book. So it's kind of being talked about. But do you know what my problem will be? I'm, I'm very ADHD. My memory is appalling. So for me to write, get, sit down and try and remember all the events for 35 years and get them into a book, I think that will actually be a challenge for me. Well, um, OK, fair enough. And, and I can totally relate. Um, mm. especially the ADHD. I think that's part of just living up and growing up or living in the, the technical world or technological world that we have over the last uh, many years. Very different yeah. 80s when it was like, okay, we got three three channels on TV and you know the yeah. radio and a cassette deck in the car. And other than that, that's about all the electronics we had going on. Otherwise, it was just the real world. And now it's like yeah. everything's electronic. So I think yeah, built into a lot of us. But anyway, as far as a book, um, how about if you were just maybe to pick one aspect of things or maybe just talk about the financial markets, not try to have an all encompassing book. What would you like to focus on as far as maybe a, a smaller, smaller area of, of your experience? What would you like to what would you like to talk about? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I tell you what I'd love to do. I'd love to tell some of the stories about the unique experience of being on the trading floor to be in my 20s, you know, so young, full of energy, full of ambition and to be on a trading floor in London 
that environment was just crazy. You're in, you're in a, you know, there's 3000 people on the training floor. We're all in our twenties. We're all, you know, doing quite well. And well, the survival rate was, was low, obviously. I mean, lots of people tried trading, of course, not, not that many survived. That's normal even today. Um, so I was lucky in that respect, but the, but the, just the whole environment was just so unique. And we really had a special bond from surviving those years. And, you know, if I meet with my friends now from the floor, we definitely have that special bond. So that would be something I'd really like to, to explain. Very cool. Well, i tell you what, after the interview, let's have a little conversation about getting helping you get the book written because that would be excellent. Oh, yeah, terrific. I really need help to do that. I have no idea where to, where to start. Yeah, we can do that. Well, that's cool. Well, now speaking of, uh, you know, having been able to, you know, being able to see the markets go through the different phases and evolutions that it has, um, you know, what if what would you what would you change about the markets, the way they work regarding individual traders or, or any aspect of it? What would you change about the markets uh, if you could? Wow, that's a good question. That's going to take some thoughts. Um Actually, by the way, I love your point about what we've been through, you know, uh, over the years, going from that really analog world to, to where we are now. I mean, I, I feel pretty privileged to ex experience all that. My kids have just got devices, you know, all over the place. And my daughter, I think her, the phone's actually glued to her hand because she, she doesn't seem to be able to put it down. So um, it's, it's an interesting transition for us. And I feel quite privileged to experience all of that. Um, question. I guess the first thing I'd like to sort of emphasize to traders Maybe this doesn't directly answer your question, but I think it's an important point for traders who are watching. I think so many traders, especially when they start out, they think that the key to trading is to guess the direction of the markets every day. Um, I actually did a webinar earlier on today, and, and one of the questions was, do you think gold can go down you know, over the next few days? Or do you think gold can go here and you know, time limits and direction? And I said, look, you know, even after 30, over 35 years experience, I have no idea where the markets are going to go within the next hour, day, week, month. I'm not really prepared. If I if I tell you what I think, I'm, I'm only going to be guessing. You know, it might be an educated guess. It might be an experienced guess. It's a guess. And I try to emphasize the point of being a day trader is not guessing the right direction of the market every day. It's, you know, having a, having a strategy where you can develop low risk trades, you know, and, um, you know, you're going to lose. But you're understanding why you're losing. You're not just buying something because you think it might go up and then you hope it goes up. And if it all goes wrong, you end up getting out when you can't take the pain anymore. You know, that's gambling. It's not trading. True. True. Yeah. And you make a good point. Um, well, now that said, uh, it's it's like the, the endless debate. I'd be curious to see which, which side you're, you're on. Um, some people say, yeah, the strategy is key. You got to have a strategy. And then there's also, you know, others on the other side of the aisle that are saying, well, strategy is kind of irrelevant. It's arbitrary. You got to focus on the psychology. So which, yeah. which side do you lean toward? You know, I think I think both are as equally as important as, it, as the other. And see, on the on the trading floor and, and you know, in those days, uh, decades ago, psychology and um, mental health just was never even mentioned it didn't exist um it was like you know you're stressed at work and i was really stressed at work i mean i didn't tell anyone i was stressed at work i would come home from the trading floor might have lost 50 60 000 pounds yeah. and you know that was just i'd sit in the in my kitchen with the lights off i couldn't my neck was so tense i couldn't move 
you know, and, and I had to get up the next day, go into the trading pit and pretend everything was all right because people read your face. It's like poker. Um, and of course, nowadays, I think it's terrific that the, there is an awareness of mental health issues and, and anxiety and stress and frustration that people go through in their daily lives. Um, and, and, and trading, absolutely, you have to have a, a very clear head. And it's something I've really focused on teaching lately. But you also do have to have a strategy because, like I said, you can't just wander into the markets and think, what shall I do today? Oh, I'll buy that and I'll just sell that and see how I get on. Um, yeah, it's one thing. And it still cracks me up when, when I have somebody, you know, reach out to me and get to talking with them, find out what, what's going on. And even after, even after they've been at it for like three, four five years, that's still how they're trading. Yeah, really. And it's Interesting. like, it, well, and, and not to pick on a certain group, but I find it, it seems, it, it seems to be most common among stock traders. Really? You know, they'll just, they'll, they'll fall in love with a certain handful of stocks, you know, whether it's Amazon or, you know, Facebook or whatever, whatever, whatever the, you know, the big one is. And, and they'll like get, they'll get hooked on that particular stock. And yeah, they're kind of trading their feels and the hunches and, you yeah. know, and yeah. it's like, no, you, you wonder why you're struggling and why it's a crap. Yeah. I was like, that, that is straight up gambling, what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. That, that's straight that's, up gambling. Yeah, you, you're not putting really any any reasoning or thought into it, um, except yeah. you know what you think, your, you know your hunch. Yeah, and and I'm not and I'm not meaning to pick on anybody because I mean, heck, my I know my first year, I I, I was clueless. I, I was just oh, yeah, work all the time. And and yeah. my broker, he he didn't care as long as I was placing trades. He didn't care if if what you know my exactly. idea as hell. He didn't care. Yeah, <laughs> they were also making a lot bigger commissions back then too. You know, fifty. Yeah. A, a trade was not uncommon back then where you, where yeah. you broke well when you wanted a price you had to call the broker to find out what the price was there was no other way to find out what the market was doing yeah true yeah there wasn't even an internet to go check yeah. <laughs> so yeah well um now the thing is um it, like you're saying it, it is about you know being able to you know bring yourself mentally properly every day um, hmm. do you have any particular routines or diet or exercise or meditation or anything that, that help you stay in, in, you know, good shape mentally or physically. So you're always bringing your A game and dealing with the stresses of it. Yeah, I think that's really important. I don't really meditate. Um, but I certainly exercise every day for at least an hour. I'm either in the gym or I go for a walk. Um, I think one of the key things for keeping your head straight, just for trading, I mean, we all know how to, you know, there are ways to keep, um, to control anxiety and your frustration in your life. And obviously your diet is important and your fitness. Um, but one of the things with trading for me, it seems that, and, and I, and this was a big problem for me, greed. So I would always have a position that was too big. I was risking too much because I was thinking, oh, you know, what's the point in making $200 on this trade? It's not enough money. But the problem is when it, when it went wrong, and I didn't have enough discipline and I was losing $500 and I was like, ouch, this actually hurts. If, if I have three losing trades, I'm down $1,500 and that's too much money for me to be losing in a day. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's about controlling the size. If you, if you start to feel emotions and you're feeling anxiety and you're feeling worried about a position, if, and if you're trading normally and you have a strategy and you know where your stop loss should be, then if you're, if you're, if you're worried in that situation when you're doing everything right, it means you're trading too big. And you've got to you've got to cut the size down and be prepared to make consistent amounts of relatively small money, um, because if you do that, you know, I mean, you know, trading should really be quite robotic and unemotional if you're doing it properly. In fact, it should almost be boring if you want to trade for entertainment. And like you said, if you want to gamble, that's fine. But don't lie to yourself. 
yeah, I'm gambling. I'm having some fun. I'm messing around, you know, and I'm going to allocate X amount of my income per month to do that. And if I, if I have a great time and I make a bunch of money, that's terrific. But you're right. Don't lie to yourself. You're gambling. You're not trading. Yeah. Uh, well, you brought up one thing that I've actually gotten in a couple of debates with, with other, uh, other traders about, and, and that is the, the notion of comfort zones. Um, I, I know a couple of guys and, and one, he was even, even ran his own brokerage for a while. And his whole thing was, you're, you're always outside your comfort zones. I mean, one of his favorite things that the sayings that he had was, you know, as soon as you enter that trade, as soon as you click that button, it's like taking a shot of heroin. You're just, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're <laughs> gone. And yeah. my, my perspective is you should always be trading within your comfort zones. Yeah. Because if you're outside your comfort zones, by definition, you're in an emotional state. Yeah. And that's not a healthy way to trade. You don't want to be in an emotional state. You want to be in a calm state so that you can think clearly and not make stupid, stupid decisions. And so, yeah, I, I love how you're talking about it. Yeah. It's just if, if you're feeling if you're feeling it, that's the sign you're trading too big. That's actually a perfect description of way, the way to put it. And I'm going to steal that from you. You know, oh, yeah. about being in your comfort zone and, and that, that really is perfectly put now the the flip side of that though is because for some traders they have to take it down so small they're only like trading five or ten bucks <laughs> yeah um, but they I, can I, scale I, it when, when things go well you know in six months that that five ten bucks might be 15 20 bucks and then 35 40 bucks eventually it's about right. building your account slowly yeah well um yeah um and well, the other, one of the other challenges with just dealing with the, the trading world as it is, is how it always changes too, though. Because um, like when crypto started taking off and now, you know, over the last few years, it's like been a big deal. And a lot of traders have moved out of stocks or, you know, currencies or, or futures and stuff and moved over to trading uh, crypto, um, just dealing with the changes. Um, now, what do you foresee as far as since you've been able to, you know, see a lot of the evolutions of things and, and see how things have changed? Since crypto is has has evolved, I see it. It's been developing into something similar to forex. What are your thoughts on that? And, and will it ever become part of the foreign exchange market? Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? I'm not I'm not really an expert on crypto. I do. I tell you, uh, I got into it from a technical technical analysis perspective. Mm -hmm. um, someone asked me, you know, obviously I get people, hey, can you look at crypto for me? So I started looking at um, Bitcoin and all the big ones. And I realized I don't I don't know these days because I haven't followed it for, for a while. But when I first started looking at it, it, it was a it was a, a technically perfect market. I've never seen a market adhere to the technicals, the Fibonacci levels, the moving averages, the trend lines. I've never seen them work so well as I did in crypto. And I'm guessing that's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy, because how else do you value crypto? You know, it's not like a a, 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 a forex currency. I don't know the Aussie dollar, which is dependent on order flow from companies that need to buy and sell dollars and Aussie dollars or economic policy or interest rate policy. You know, there is, there is nothing like that out there. There's no politics involved, for example. Hmm. It's pretty much just raw price data. So, you know, how else do you analyze it? So I, I don't know. I'm just guessing that this is why it seemed to trade so perfectly as, as far as the technicals are concerned. That actually is a really cool perspective. That yeah, mm. without, without all the kind of background influences, it can behave like a natural market, mm. which is cool. 
because uh, yeah, they, yeah, you, yeah, you brought up some really cool stuff as far as yeah, the different mm. things that influence the the currency market, the, the you know the foreign exchange markets. Yeah, they aren't necessarily coming into play with with the crypto markets. Very cool, huh? Yeah, I mean, right now the dollar is completely dominated by the potential um, interest rate policy of the Federal Reserve. We're constantly speculating: will they hike? Will they hold for longer? Now we're talking about a cut all of a sudden. So you know that the dollar is definitely influenced by that, and crypto doesn't have any of that influence. Huh? That's really cool. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to think think some more on that, and, and maybe we can have have another conversation about that because that's a really cool perspective. And you're the first one I've, I've heard that's brought that up. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you're making me sound intelligent now. I feel quite flattered. <laughs> um, well, you, you. I mean, I've I've heard you speak before, and it's just the fact that you've got the experience that you do, and, and you're still here, you're still standing, you haven't lost your mind, or you know, gone on to other things. Yeah, those those are definitely good indicators that you you know you got a good head on your shoulders. So yeah, it's it's cool that uh, you know being able to ask you, and, and as far as you're having a good insights, and it, I mean that's why I asked because it's like cool. Um, every, every, you know, people do have their different perspectives. So now that said, as far as like technical, technical advancements, I mean, you also, you said you've got other businesses, you've got the uh, intelligent AI solutions that you found earlier this year, right? Uh, what, what, you know, how did that come about and what do you have going on with that? Yeah, that's really exciting, actually. Um, so I got together with a couple of guys in Manila and one of them is, is our CEO. He's 40 years old. He's got 15 years experience of uh, product development at Deutsche Bank. He ran a team of 150 people. He's super smart and super nice. Um, and he 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 only hired the top talent at Deutsche Bank. And so he's now hiring that top talent again uh, for our business. So we've got a guy who's only 29 years old, you know, super smart as far as coding and programming and, uh, you know, uh, computer intelligence goes. I mean, I, I, I honestly don't understand it very well at all. And I'm getting excited because I'm starting to understand it, but I, I'm not the brains of the business. I'm really just kind of the finance and, and business advisor. I've got business experience, but I mean, you know, I wouldn't have a clue how to structure any sort of uh, an uh, AI um, uh, you know, program. Mm -hmm. So, um, but but yeah, we, we talk every week and it's, you know, the whole world is just, uh, so electrified with this uh, and the, the people that we're talking to, it's really exciting. So, so building that business, I, I, every literally every week, some new development comes along. It's a really exciting time. Huh. Now, uh, of course, you know, AI and software, that, that can cover a ton of ground uh, depending on where you're at. And yeah, a lot of it is focused in the business world. A lot of it's focused in the, the marketing world. Um, but a lot of people forget, actually, AI has been around for quite a while. Uh, That's true. How many people have been carrying it on their person and without realizing it? I mean, Siri, yeah. like the first publicly out there AI. It's, it's, yeah. it's a piece of software you can talk to. And it will. It yeah, will exactly. It's generative AI that's the new thing, isn't it? Since ChatGPT was launched about a year ago. So, so that's what's really accelerated that whole technology. Well, now, do you guys, do you have a particular area of focus? Um, are you looking toward the business sector, the financial markets, the consumer markets? I mean, like I said, that could cover a lot of ground. Do you guys have a particular area you're looking to, to penetrate? Well, because of our financial markets background, that's where we thought we would focus. But the kind of clients we're getting coming to us now are just such a wide spectrum. Um, and, the, well, my, the guys are finding it uh, an exciting challenge. So, for example, we've got someone who's come to us who's creating um, a whole renewable energy company 
And he's explained that renewable energy in itself isn't actually that profitable. You know, it's very heavily subsidized. But what he's talking about doing with AI will actually make it profitable within itself. So this is a huge challenge for us. And we're going to be hiring a bunch of staff. So, so I mean, we're tackling things across logistics and energy and, and, and a wide spectrum. We're basically customizing um, software for, you know, for people. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wish I could say more, but. I don't so I fully I don't understand it enough to actually get into an in-depth conversation. That's the truth of it. Oh yeah. Well, the one the one that I heard uh, most recently that I got to look into. I mean, literally, it's like just in the last matter of days, is mm-hmm. having your own personal GPT. Yeah. Um, and and developing it. So yeah, it's like you have your own AI for yeah. GPT. And so I I I like I said I just heard of it. So I I got to dig into it and see what that's even about. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, I've been playing around with some of the different AIs, and, and some of them are pretty cool. Uh, definitely. Uh, uh, and, of course, a lot of people are curious how it's going to affect traders um, and, you know, individuals that are trading in the market. I'm very curious. Yeah, I mean, I think I might be out of a job because <laughs> I can't compete with an AI that's going to be, uh, you know, identifying low-risk trades. Um, well, I mean, that said, algo trading has been around for a while. So yeah. how, what, would you, what would you say is the difference between the two? Good question. And I must admit, I didn't think that. So my my um, te- technical analysis based signals business um, has been around for 15 years. And I'm surprised that I'm still in business because I, I did think eventually computers would just take over and I wouldn't. And I, and I also thought technical analysis would eventually go out the window because, uh, you know, the, the bots would, would kill it. But what I do still works and I haven't particularly changed it that much over the years. I've learned more, I've developed it, but I haven't had to change uh, my approach, particularly technical analysis, as far as I'm concerned, still works. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know whether uh, AI will completely out out to uh, compete the human trader. It's certainly possible. Yeah. Well, um, and we'll see what your thoughts are on this. As far as algorithmic trading, um, personally, because when that really started taking off a few years ago, I had some people coming to me. They were kind of concerned, um, like for reasons like what you just said. Um, and the more I've thought about it and watched how things have evolved over, over the years, uh, especially recently, is personally, I think algorithmic trading where it's just programs, not necessarily AI, AI but programs. Actually, I think it has been beneficial for individual traders. And because, really? well, if you think about it, our edge in the, in the markets is the fact that prior to computers and everything, the markets were people. Yeah. And people can be very predictable, mm. you know, like how people respond to certain events. And that's, that's sure. a lot of, you know, we've been able to get, gather an edge or have an edge in, in our trading is when we see something happening in the markets, it's like, oh, seen this before. Know how sure. this well, that's the basis of technical analysis. Yeah. So that's been our edge is it's like, okay, yeah, there, there are these behavioral response patterns. Yeah, absolutely true. Algorithmic trading really was nothing more than the programmer sitting down and saying, okay, I'm, I'm programming a trading strategy, but it, they were programming it to execute the, the way a person would, but with better execution. Good point. And so it's actually, in a, in a way, it's kind of made the markets a little more predictable. Wow, brilliant. Now, Maybe that's why technical analysis works so well because algos are actually, you know, you're kind of helping it basing their trades on that. 
Yeah, because 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 and that technical analysis is just a visualization of demand and supply. So actually, that's a really good point. Algos are probably actually just emphasizing that whole process now. Yeah. So the the question will be is how are how, how are the AIs going to do? Are they going to kind of continue along that and and basically just again make it a, a better a better place for the individual traders trading as humans, um, or are they going to bring a twist to it that makes it more challenging? It's a good question. Yeah. So yeah, that'll that'll be fun to see how it plays out. Um, yeah, very cool. Now, now I, you had mentioned that at your site, um, uh, trade ideas, day trade ideas, um, that you got your service and you also do some mentoring. Uh, tell us tell, tell us a little bit about what you got going on with your with each of those. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Uh, so the key thing that I do, and I talked about it earlier, is I, I help traders that are learning to trade. Uh, and one of those things I do is I provide a signal service. So I wake up in the morning and I, because I'm in Asia, I can, I'm ahead of the most of the world. So I can sit there for two or three hours and generate and, and look at all my charts and generate my signals. So I'll, I'll generate, I, I mostly focus on Forex, but I also do gold, silver, oil, and I do the, the US stock indices, the SP, NASDAQ, Dow Jones. Okay. So I just trawl through all my charts and using my, my, my particular strategy, I identify low risk trade opportunities. So I've got my entry point, my stop and my target. And I can generate around a dozen signals each morning, put them all on a spreadsheet. And then I throw that into my Telegram group. So as people wake up across the world, they can look at the trade sheet and decide, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to try that trade myself. I call it like a set and forget strategy because most people who trade well, certainly people that, are, that come to me, they're not full-time traders. They, they've got a job or a business and they're trying to do this on the sideline. I even spoke to a doctor the other day who's starting his uh, rounds at 5.30 in the morning and he's logged on for a quick chat with me from his um, from his <laughs> surgery. So um, so I, I'm just stunned at the, the, the amount of people that are, are, are into trading. I mean, like uh, I, earlier, you know, I, uh, through all these algos and things that you've talked about, I, I, I just thought retail trading would die I just didn't think, but it's actually exploded. And, oh. and I think crypto has drawn young people in. Oh, I yeah. get a lot of young people saying, yeah, you know, I started with crypto and now I moved on to Forex. So crypto kind of died for a while. So I'm absolutely stunned at the, you know, the, the diverse section of people that are, are getting into trading. I really thought it would be a thing that would die. So anyway, I really enjoy that. And I enjoy, enjoy the interaction with my subscribers. And then I also mentor. So I'll do one-on-ones or I have a course. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I actually do genuinely enjoy that more than actually trading for myself because it's it's a lonely world, isn't it, when you trade for yourself? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, as far as your your trade uh, trade signals that you, you send out every day, uh, are those generally just intraday trades, or do you also have some swing trades in there? So I try to have a combination of both. My typical trade would be risking twenty five pips on a forex pair. Um, you know. Again, primarily, I'm a trend follower, so I'd be buying at a support level in a bull trend, risking 25 pips, hoping to make at least 50, maybe even 100. You know, sometimes those those four to one trades at the moment they do exist. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not easy. And I do have my losing days and I do sometimes even have losing weeks. But generally, yeah, we do make money over time and uh, the strategy works. So um, I just I keep it simple. Yeah, very cool. And so the best place for people to catch up with you is at daytradeideas.com.uk, correct? .co.uk. .co.uk. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, 
Well, and you said, so you got the, the signal service, you got the one-on-one mentoring, you said you also have courses. Yeah, so I have a course. So basically the course um, teaches you everything that I use in technical analysis in the first half. Then in the second half, it goes into that psychology that you mentioned earlier that is now so important. Uh, risk management, account management, trade management, all the important things, not over trading and controlling your size and all the important stuff, having a strategy. So, yeah, I go through that and, and in, included in my course is basically access to me for free. So you get all my contact details. And if you have if you're struggling or you need a chat, just reach out. Uh, in fact, anyone can call me. I mean, my contact details are on my website. So every day I have people contacting me. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, um, I, now, before we wrap this up, one, one question I have to ask, just because it's the Consistent Profits podcast, what, what do you see as like probably the number one uh, obstacle that traders run into as far as being able to achieve consistent profits? I absolutely see it as the psychology now. Okay. Um, yeah. It's just crazy. As human beings, we just can't seem to control ourselves. And you mentioned self-sabotage earlier. That, that's just something that seems to happen. Some people, they make a profit, make a profit, you know, and they're doing quite well and they can't help. That self-sabotage kicks in. Um, so, yeah, I, I really, the, the psychology aspect has fascinated me now for two or three years. I've really got, got into it uh, about that whole thought process. And it's allowed me to examine my thought processes over 35 years, which, as I said earlier, I just didn't do. You know, I was just trading and trading and, you know, I didn't have much structure to my trades on the floor. Uh, so, yeah, I find that aspect fascinating. And I absolutely think that that's way more important uh, to start with even than even than a strategy, understanding your own brain and, and how you self-sabotage and how and why you do, you know, the fear and greed thing. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, good perspective. Very cool. Um, well, uh, let, yeah, we can go ahead and wrap things up here. I appreciate you taking the time. I know it's late where you are. You're in you're in Thailand, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's early early morning for you. The middle of the night, but I've really enjoyed it. It was worth waking up for, Brian. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, indeed. Thrilled to have you on. And I would love to have you back on because I know there's some other uh, topics within trading and all that we, we could definitely dive deep into. So definitely got to do that. And for everybody that's listening, uh, all our listeners, uh, I applaud you for taking time out of your day to you know come and listen and learn and you know seek to grow and develop as a trader, uh, broaden your abilities and your understandings. And uh, as far as with Jason, if you like what he's got to say and, you know, you could use some help, he's a good guy. He's been around for a long time, got a wealth of experience, uh, definitely cares about his people. He'll take good care of you. And so make sure you swing by his, his website, the uh, daytradeideas.co.uk. And the link will be down in the description as well as uh, social links and that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, don't, don't just sit back and, and say, yeah, that was kind of cool. And then forget about it. Uh, if you like what you heard, your trading, you know, could be better. You'd like for it to be better. And you, you like what Jason had to say. And yeah, definitely reach out, go ahead and connect with him and uh, improve your trading. And you'll be glad that you did. So uh, again, Jason, thanks for being here today, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, everybody. We'll Thank you. Yeah, we really, I think we covered some great topics, actually. Thanks so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was a, this was a fun conversation. We got to do it again. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, sure. We'll go ahead and wrap things up. And everybody, I uh, appreciate you coming. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Consistent Profits Podcast. Cheers. Thank you for joining us today on the Consistent Profits Podcast, brought to you by Inside Out Trading. Make sure to swing by InsideOutTrading.com and pick up your free copy of Break the Cycle, 10 Things You Can Do to Stop Reinforcing the Past and Get Your Trading on the Right Track. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe on your favorite channel, and we'll see you on the next episode. Cheers!